Hello? Hello? Why does no one ever apply to me during these intros? It's absolutely ridiculous. Let's try this. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners live show. On tonight's show, we are joined by the amazing runner from Cincinnati, Alex Gold. He absolutely crushed the Bear 100 this past weekend. You'll hear all about that race as well as much more. Sit back, relax, grab the popcorn and a white claw. You're not going to want to miss this one. Good afternoon, Ridge Runner Nation. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Ridge Runners Live Show. Uh, tonight, we are joined by Alex Gold, repeat guest of the podcast, um, great ultra runner, Cincinnati local. We're going to talk most about his uh, recent fourth place finish at Utah's Bear 100, an absolutely brutal, incredible race out there in the big mountains out west. But we want to remind you, if you don't know who Alex Gold is, he's our 2019 Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year the Shawnee Backpack Trail FKT holder, the Mohican 50-mile course record holder, the Thunder Bunny 50K course record holder, University of Illinois XC and track graduate, former Peebles High XC coach, all-around stud, incredible badass ultra runner from Ohio, Alex Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for having me. That was like the best intro ever. <laughs> no problem. We just... we. We got to gas the people up on this show, right? Too many East Coast <laughs> people are always just like, oh, but our mountains are really small, you know? <laughs> and it's, no, we're not having that. Nobody comes west to east and runs Shawnee 50 and is like, that was a pretty simple and easy race. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I can't even imagine, but I know that that course is every bit as hard as the mountains out west. So. Mm-hmm. All right. And for those of y'all who don't know, my name is Cam Wrench. I am the sixth man of Ridge Runners Nation here. We're going live tonight with Wesley Harton as my co-host. Wesley Harton, the Pat McAfee of Ultra Running. How is it going tonight, man? You know, I'm doing just great, Cam. I'm really pumped to be here. I do feel a little underdressed after last time we had Alex Gold on the show. Last time I was literally in my Sunday's best, the full suit, the giddy up, like everything going on for the award show. But then I'm just in the, the t-shirt. No disrespect to this t-shirt. love this t-shirt, but it's just not the same. So no disrespect, <laughs> Alex. I just want to let you know that uh, it's not you. Yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, it's not like one of those situations where you show up to a date and like realize it's not a date. I think the Shawnee 50 shirt is every bit as good looking as the suit. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, we're going to start tonight like we usually start most of these shows uh, by asking everybody what they're drinking. Uh, if you're following along live and want to let, let us know what you're drinking in the live chat, please go ahead and do so. Also, feel free to leave any questions you got for Alex there. Uh, but Alex Gold, start us off. What do you got tonight? All right. So I pulled the uh, Citra Dog out of the fridge it's a ipa it's really good out of akron ohio and most importantly it has a green cap um my girlfriend's doing an art project with bottle caps so green is a color that we needed and most importantly uh it's green all right that's great you always love when things kind of work out like that yeah um i've got a uh jackie o's who cooks for you tonight um Recently learned that Who Cooks For You is the way that you call a barred owl. So shout out to Nick Pedicus, who works with me at the Columbus Dublin REI for telling me that. Never would have known otherwise. I feel like the reference on the beer just went right over my head. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, two good choices. I've got another awesome choice myself. Tall Boy White Claw. I hope Whoa. you guys can see this. This is a new one. It's White Claw Wednesday, so I really represent. I'm trying to bring seltzers the respect that they deserve, so I'm all about the Black Trey White Claw recently, so that's what we're drinking tonight. It's kind of controversial to go with Black Cherry, I gotta say. Really? I respect it, yeah. See, I, I, see, I was kind of off of it for a while, but I recently got onto it, and it's been unreal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think White Claw's amazing. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Alex Gold, our guy. Alex Gold. <laughs> so Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year. Big yeah. Claw like this. Is, <laughs> this is off to a heck of a start. Is any if anyone else in the chat is drinking a White Claw or some other awesome beverage, let us know. We want to know what you're drinking as well. 
Yeah. And we already got our first comment in the chat. Eric Anderson wanted to know, does it get trashier than a White Claw tall boy? I would say <laughs> that it for sure does. Um, but if y'all have different opinions on that, let us know. Um, I'm going to go with, just based on everything we've said so far, a first question that we didn't actually script for you, Alex Gold. So don't be too shocked with this one. But what do you think you could run in a White Claw mile? Same rules as the beer mile, but seeing as you're a fan of the claws. Yeah, so I think I could probably do better than a beer mile because I'm like, I've got a weak stomach when it comes to like putting all that volume down, but um, I'm a pretty slow drinker. So I would say maybe 10 minutes at best. I'm probably being generous. I'm pretty pathetic in that kind of thing. Damn, I don't think there's a distance that we could beat Alex Gold at in any kind of a beer mile slash event. Like, I was trying to think, like, maybe 100 miles. No, that's still not good enough. Maybe yeah. 200. Like, that's probably not going to get us there. Like, there's, I don't think there's any challenge that we could take Alex on. You could beat me in a beer mile, probably. I don't know. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm not going to go would, there. I think, I think it depends on the beer. If we're drinking something very dark, right? Yeah. Because a vomit during a beer mile is an extra lap. Right I, think, right. I think the trick is going to be for us to keep it down and make Alex have to run further. <laughs> That's the only way it's even close. Uh, I think you're being too generous. I but think I, you're bad. Maybe, even ten, maybe 10 minutes was too generous. I, you put me on the spot. I'm 10 minutes. That. I honestly think you could do it like in seven and a half. So like, if not faster, because your time would be like five minutes. And then we, your beer drinking would probably be another minute and a half or two minutes. Yeah. Like at, oh, at, worst, at, at worst. So you're already like a seven minute. Like If it was Ruby grapefruit, then a little faster. Because those are just fantastic. There we go. Ridge Runner's <laughs> Beer Mile. We'll do, either do yeah. it virtual or uh, post-COVID. We'll get it going White Claws only. So it'll be, yeah. it'll be super exciting. Uh, we do want to talk to Alex about the race that he ran this past weekend. So you we should probably kind of dive into that. For those of you that don't know, Alex Gold ran the Bear 100 out in out west. And it was absolutely awesome. You got fourth place. Alex, take us through the race, kind of your training leading up to it, just kind of everything that happened out there with you. Okay. So, um as I mentioned on the last time I was on the podcast, I just started being coached by David Roach, who's an awesome coach. And um, last year at Wasatch, I definitely um, was underprepared. So um, I felt a lot more prepared going in with his coaching. But also, you know, I was coming off injury last year. So um, training-wise was totally different. Um, I did a lot of speed during the week and then – um, on weekends, especially in like the last few weekends before the race, like the last four or five, other than the week before, I was doing lots of um, trail running, getting as much as vert as I could possibly get and attacking the downhills to prepare my legs for the um, extreme amount of vert in that race. And then, um, you know, working on f fueling too. And then in the race, um, I just tried to go out conservatively. And I basically told myself I wasn't gonna race until like after 80 miles. So I just, you know, ran my own race and tried to listen to my body and ask myself like, all right, how did I feel? Like, did I feel significantly worse a few miles ago? And most of the time the answer was no, but there was like the occasional, I remember around mile 35, it was starting to heat up and I was like, my legs are really feeling it right now. Um, so I started increasing my calorie intake. Um, I was doing two gels an hour and I increased to three gels an hour and I was doing energy drinks. So I was taking out a lot of sugar. Most of these gels were caffeinated too. So um, the only time I had a problem was, um, so I upped it there at 35, then about like 50, I was feeling good again. But then after 50, um, I was starting to feel a little stomach sick. Um, and I wasn't really sure why, but around 65 or so when the sun started to go down, um, it got cool and my stomach started to feel better. So I think it might've been like a heat thing. Um, even though it really was not that hot, it was maybe 80 at the hottest. Um, and uh, so once my food started going down again at 80 or 65, I mean, 
I started to just like feel so much more confident because the first two thirds of the race, um, as much as I tried not to like take it too seriously, let it get to my head and I just wanted to enjoy it. Um, I found myself just doubting myself. And I think that might've been because I had such a roller coaster experience at Wasatch last year. Um, even though I was way more prepared this year until I like did it, I was just going to have that doubt. And finally around like 65, I was able to stop fighting that battle with my mind. And I was just like, I got this. I feel so good. And maybe the caffeination was kicking in and I was like bouncing off the walls. And um, the last 35 miles just, um, I felt like I was climbing better than anybody in the race. Maybe not descending as well, but um, I was still running the climbs like all the way up until the last climb. So um, it just really felt like, you know, Wasatch, I had that taste in my mouth. Like I could have done better. This one I finished and yeah, there's plenty of growth for me. I mean, it was only my second hundred, but I felt like I felt like I did it this time. So that was a really um, rewarding feeling coming into the finish. Um, I did make my signature round turn with two miles to go. And I, I was like gonna be under 21 hours. And then I made that wrong turn and I was like, oh no, I probably blew it. And I was like kicking my butt off and I closed in a 720 something last mile. It was downhill, but like, I felt like I was running like four minutes and it was 720 something, but it was like, it was so intense, but yeah, it was a great feeling. Um, so just happy to be up there racing with such a great group of competitors, um, being from sea level, that felt pretty cool. Yeah. We kind of talked about your, uh, your year last year on the previous podcast episode number five and how you just basically won and then set course records at every single race up until Wasatch, which that's kind of the first one that kind of punched you in the mouth a little bit. <laughs> what was the, what was that mental tra training like going into this time, going into the bear compared to Wasatch? Like what do you do differently to kind of prepare yourself, uh, for the race? Yeah. So it was just so many things. I felt like I learned so much because that was my first one and I made an incredible number of mistakes. Like, um, but so I talked about getting more verdant and focusing on the downhills. That was big. Working on speed's another big one. I think a lot of people tend to focus on running on trails so much that they get caught up in only a lot of slow running. And running on trails is great. I mean, we're trail runners, right? But you need to do some speed because um, for an ultra race, um, it's really just running economy. It's like how little effort can you use to go that pace? And the, little, the less effort you use, the better you're going to be. So working on speed helps to improve that. And I just felt like I was so much more fit this year from that. Um, so that was a big one too. And then working on fueling was another one because last year, um, I think I got away with at Mohican under fueling a little bit. And if that race was like another five miles, I would have like totally fell apart. I guess it was an extra two miles because of my wrong turn, but um, if it was an extra three, I don't know if I would have made it. Um, so then you take that, that was six hours and something minutes. My Wasatch race was like four times as long. So by the time I got to 45, I was like a zombie. And my pacers this year, they like couldn't believe it because they were like, last year, like I couldn't trust you to make any decision, but this year you were like so mentally with it. And I really think that was fueling. So that was just a big thing. And then the last one, just plain stupid. I, I wore cotton socks at Wasatch last year and my feet were like completely destroyed. <laughs> so I like actually invested in, dry max socks this year and like my feet like were totally fine so <laughs> that was a big one there's got to be someone on this podcast that's listening that can get you a sock sponsorship even though i'm all about the cotton socks i've been trying to say that those things are the best for a while now and no one really yeah <laughs> i feel you because i was like oh no i don't need this and you you do <laughs> <laughs> i mean like i wore dry max socks at my last ultra last year so the first one i did after wasatch and it was like, oh my gosh, your feet can look normal after an ultra? That's a thing. 
Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. So to talk about the the race itself. Obviously, you finished fourth. What was the jockeying like for positions kind of throughout the day? Like, were you ever what was their highest position? What was the lowest? You kind of fell back. Kind of talk about what was like battling with the other runners out there. Okay, so yeah, I just try to like feed off the other runners, um, especially early. I'm not sure how I would be if I was neck and neck at the end. Um, but yeah, early on, I mean. I, I just like feed off their positivity and like pump them up, which kind of pumps me up. But there definitely was a lot of jockeying for position. Um, the guy who got second, Eric Young, me and yo-yoed a lot during the middle of the race. I think my lowest position though was probably when I got up to the top of Logan Peak, which is the very first climb. The racers kind of go straight up for six miles. Um, I was in like seventh or eighth. Um, and then I moved up a little, and then I, I remember that first downhill into Lethem Hollow, which is just the most gorgeous single track in the world, like like red and orange fall colors. And anyways, a few guys like bombed that downhill. So they passed me, but I just like kind of passed them right back up on the climb after that. So seventh, eighth, maybe moving up to fifth, and then um, around... I think I was in fourth place at mile 45. And um, at this point, the guy who won the race, Jimmy Elam, he he just like was way ahead. Um, he ran a heck of a race and he's a heck of a runner. Um, I found out actually when I was talking to them, him in like the first couple of miles, he lives on top of like this, it's Brighton Aid Station, which is the 67 mile at Wasatch. He lives up there. It's like a ski resort. And he just like lives in a cabin and runs up mountains all day. So I was like, all right, you got this, man. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um, he was way ahead. But it turns out I was actually closing on the guy who had been out front um, from the start with Jimmy. But I never did see him. Um, I finished right behind him, but never saw him. Um, so yeah, I was pretty much between fourth and seventh. I moved back again from 45 to 75. Um, uh, there were these two guys, we were having a good time with each other, but they passed me up and then I ended up passing them. There's a seven mile climb out of 75. And like I said, I was kind of like the only one who was still like able to run the climbs. Um, maybe, maybe not the only one, but I, I definitely had the most climbing ability at the end of the race. So after that 75 aid station, I never saw those two guys again. So um, the climbs were definitely helping me at the end. The, the descents were all right, but <laughs> yeah. All right, Alex. And you mentioned earlier um, that you really feed off of the energy that you get from other runners when you're jockeying for position at the beginning of these races that you know, you're know you hyping them up, they're hyping your, you up. What is your favorite moment from the Bear 100 um, like that sort of happened like that? Early on in the race when you've got like a big group of guys and you're all kind of hooting and hollering and working together and running pretty fast. Yeah, so um, there was a climb out of, uh, it, it, it would have been like to the 30 mile mark. It was a pretty long climb and the fall colors were just like out of control. And um, I caught up to Eric who ended up getting second. And he was kind of like the same mentality. Like we were just pumping each other up. So happy to be there. And um, I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of saying like, man, look at us. Like we're running this climb. We're like killing it. Like this is so beautiful. And um, I don't know. I feel like I am definitely like a social person, but I think everyone can feed off of positivity. Like positivity is a hell of a drug. And if you pump somebody else up, that's going to pump you up. Even just something as simple as thanking the um, aid station volunteers. Um, it's something so simple, but like when you just tell them like how great they're doing, I feel like I leave that aid station and I have like a boost of energy from the positivity that just was exchanged. Um, so that climb with Eric, I think, is the one that sticks out, though. So you talked about people pumping you up and you kind of pumping yourself up and everyone else up. What was your crew like? How did they pump you out throughout the day? And kind of like, what was it like having all those people there? Yeah, so 
I always have like the best crew. I have a really supportive family. Um, but with COVID, it was pretty weird because um, there was only three aid stations where they can see me. But luckily my family or my parents and uh, uh, my girlfriend's parents and our crew of dogs, um, they, they found like a few other spots on the course where they could like still cheer me on. But it was kind of sad not being able to talk to them. But I love having pacers because I don't know, it's just like so fun to have someone there and you know, they're telling you like, you're doing so good. And I don't know, I mean, I don't want them to overdo it because like at a certain point you're like, okay, I'm not doing that good. Like, <laughs> but like um, just being, being there and being genuine and like caring about the race means so much to me. Um, and also sometimes they'll tell me like, um, this year was a little different too because there was no service um, on the course, but last year at Wasatch, it really pumped me up when they would be like, um, a new pacer would start and they'd tell me like the messages that were coming in on like social media or text, like, like, hey, this person's following you and they wish you good luck. Especially when I was like really struggling and it was the middle of the night, it was like, wow, they're still following me. Like that means a lot. So um, that's a big thing they do too. But I don't know, just being there is like, the, it means the world. I, I think it would be a lot harder to run a race and not have anyone there for you. Or at yeah. least following, you know, following helps. Yeah, totally. And so you you mentioned only getting to see your uh, your family at three of the aid stations uh, because of the COVID restrictions on course. Did those COVID restrictions affect the way that you planned heading into the race? Did you know, hey, I'm going to take a bladder instead of just bottles because I want more water because I won't get to see my crew? Yeah, or yeah, good question. I mean, um, I didn't take more. Um, so I took more gels because I really... I've been liking these goo roctane gels. So I took more of those because I didn't want to, um, the, the race had hammer heat, which was okay. And I did break into those because the first time I saw my crew was 45 and I didn't want to bring gels all the way for 45 miles. But um, so I, I brought more gels, yeah. Um, but, you know, the only other thing was like, like I had to bring my headlamp the whole race because 45 was actually, I take that back, 45 was the first time I could get a pacer, but I couldn't get crude until 51. So, um, so I had to bring my headlamp in my pack the whole race, which isn't like the biggest deal, but it was kind of annoying because like by the time I got to 51, if I had a really rough section to 70, oh no, yet 75 it was dark so yeah by the time i got to 51 the next time i would see them was 75. so it was like the first time i could actually give up my headlamp i was needing to get it anyway so it was like that was kind of weird um and then the only other thing was um i started the race in short sleeves even though it was like 40s because i knew it was going to get hot but i didn't want to like throw out a long sleeve and um, yeah, so that was, I don't know, there were a few weird things, but it ended up not being a big deal because the, the weather was super mild. So like last year there was like a rainstorm and like, I don't know how you would have done that. <laughs> Drop bags, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's safe to say that um, the COVID restrictions, while we definitely support them, right? And think that they're necessary. Uh, are definitely changing the way that people plan about these races and even the way the races themselves happen. With Absolutely. A lot of these places yeah. going to wave starts. But yeah, yeah, there was a staggered start um, for this race. It wasn't as extreme as other races, but it was 50 people a minute. And then they did it by ranking. So I got to start um, at six anyways, but some people were starting six minutes later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird, but. I'm just so thankful that they had the race and that they took the time to try and make it safe. Yeah, and we really are so thankful to the race directors and all the extra work that they're putting out to keep putting on these races. Uh, yeah. Bringing this community together, um, even in these like very difficult times. I don't wanna say unprecedented times because I swear 
if I get another email from a random brand that says in these unprecedented times, we care about you, I'm going to throw my phone out the window. You know, it's like, I don't need to be getting these emails from Jimmy John's, you know, um, it's just, it's just, we just truly don't need to hear this from you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's just like every day I get emails, they, they just never stop. Uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> little yeah, I, think, there. I think it's important also to say though like you know there's also race directors that are trying so hard to have the races and like someone outside their power is removing that right um so yeah i'm really thankful for the bear um race directors for having the race but i also feel for like guys like mike owen who like is trying to put on a race and it's just out of his control because someone up up above isn't letting him do it. Yeah, we're definitely all going to miss the uh, the Shawnee Fifty this year. Yeah, I, I mean that just really hurts. But mm -hmm. I'm glad. I think the the backyard ultra is still on though, right? Because that's on private property. So yes, that's it is. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, glad there's something. Yeah, there there's always something uh, going on. Michael's always got something. Yeah, at the very least in his head he's got something <laughs> yeah you don't um, know, you don't know what's up there but <laughs> <laughs> but anyways alex um we've talked a lot about some of like the joy that you felt out there at the bear 100 what would you say was your most difficult moment late in the race um you've mentioned you know in the dark getting cold right like late in the race getting off course as well you know um what was the most difficult moment for you on the day so like late in the race, like getting lost, really that stunk and like falling a few times. But like, I was so pumped up at that point that like that didn't even get to me. I think the hardest point was like the beginning, just like that feeling of, of doubt. And it was like, why do I feel this way? Like I should feel so grateful to be out here um, running in this beautiful place and you know there was a little thing like my knees started to like act up the week before the race so I definitely was a little like worried about that and it didn't end up being a factor um, but other than that I mean like my training couldn't have went better um, so I mean obviously there's like little things here and there that like you can improve on but I mean it's so hard to have like a good training cycle and be healthy and go into your goal race and it's not canceled for COVID and it's not canceled for wildfires, but yet I was still feeling all this doubt. So um, I was a little frustrated with myself, but like trying to be like positive and eventually the positivity won. So um, it was just a, it was just a mental battle. Um, but I think that having one under my belt will help for next time. Totally. Having, and, having one that went well under my belt, I guess I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so uh, I do want to talk more about your training and especially what it's like being a coached ultra runner. But we've got our first question in the chat. This is from uh, Eric Anderson. He wants to know if elevation was an issue uh, during the race, as he says that it's around 8,000 feet out there on the bear course. Yeah, so um, that definitely was something I thought about going in. Um, but you know, with, so last year, actually with Wasatch, I, um, was able to drive out there and I was up in altitude for like almost a week before the race. Um, but this year I wasn't able to do that with work and I just flew out, um, Wednesday morning and the race was Friday. So I was you know, thinking that that would be a factor. And when I did my shakeout run on Thursday, I was like, oh yeah, altitude's hard. But uh, um, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, of course, I'm sure I would have done better if I lived at altitude. Like there's no denying that. But I think that in a hundred, you need to be running at a pace that is not anywhere near like anaerobic, lactic type thing. So you're not really breathing that hard. So you don't really notice the altitude that much. And I, I also think there's something to the fact that like fitness carries over. 
So was it a factor? Absolutely. I mean, altitude for sure makes the uphills harder. There's no doubt. But I was still able to feel pretty good on the uphills late in the race. So I don't know. Yeah. Good question, though. Yeah. And sort of uh, keeping with that thought, we know you mentioned that you're coached by uh, David Roach. Um, he seems absolutely wonderful. Uh, and he's always the first one to tell us that, or at the very least him and his uh, wife, Megan, do on their <laughs> yeah. podcast that I listen to. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, but uh, were there any particular workouts or tips that he gave you for training in Ohio and in the Cincinnati area specifically, and then going out and racing out at altitude and in those big mountains out West? Yeah. Spill the beans, spill the beans here. We want to know all the inside <laughs> tricks. Like I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I literally have a legal pad ready to take notes. We, we get, we'll get you in trouble with David a little bit here. So just give us all the good stuff here and so, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think like David, when he first saw my runs, like if he told me to go get vert and then I, I got vert, like he would be like, wow, like the amount of vert you're getting, like you could train for any race where you live. So that was really encouraging. Um, and I think that's true, like all over Southern Ohio and, you know, maybe even some other parts of Ohio, but, um, but yeah, so like the last three weekends, like, well, the fourth, third and second weekend, um, once we're like, okay, the bear's on, he was like, all right, get as much vert as possible on the weekends and run the downhills hard. So I was just focused on getting trying to get as much vert per mile as I would in the bear. And he said, even if it takes like running up and down the same steep hill twice, like even if it's just a 100, 200 meter hill. So there were, you know, there was one weekend where I got out to Shawnee um, and one weekend where I got out to Red River Gorge, but I didn't have time to go out like to places like that every time. So there was one weekend where I did a 20 miler on Saturday and then 16 miler on, actually it was almost 17 miles on Sunday, um, all in Alt Park, which is this little tiny park in Cincinnati. And I was just, I created this like figure eight where I'd go up like the steepest hill, like a bunch of different times and like a bunch of different ways. And I got like 4,500 feet and 20 miles, like just doing that. And um, I was just like running the downhills hard because the thing is um, he says like, you wanna get, um, you wanna practice running the downhills harder than you would in the race so that your muscles are like prepared for that. Um, it's really not the uphills that are gonna kill you later than the race, it's the downhills. Cause if the downhills kill your legs, you won't be able to run the uphills. That makes sense. So. Yeah, that's um, the most bare specific stuff. Um, but other than that, it's just all about like fitness and long-term growth. And for the most part, David believes in training for long-term growth, like 99% of the time. Like if you have a big race and it's your A race coming up, like the bear was for me, then they'll we'll do some like specific stuff. But for the most part, it's just trying to get fit and trying to get better long-term that's awesome man especially like the fact that like you're able to get so much vert and just doing like the hill repeats and figure eights and whatnot like in cincinnati yeah. or whatnot that's... it took a lot of mental uh <laughs> insanity or i don't know <laughs> but yeah it was crazy so I, I i was definitely like pumped up about it but i don't think i could get myself to do that like <laughs> every weekend you know it's just like all right i gotta do this for three weekends i can do it that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. No, your vert numbers were astounding on Strava. Like I was the one person who would go on every single week and be like, okay, who's got the most vert this week? And then it'd be like a couple weekends in a row. It'd be like Alex Gold's near the top <laughs> or at the top. It was like, this is awesome. Especially just like you said, just getting after it in all the different ways that you were. Uh, so yeah, I appreciated when you pumped me up. I forgot one of those vert runs. You were like, yeah, you've been getting a lot of vert. And I was like, thanks for noticing. <laughs> I was stoked. I was super stoked. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, we're super glad that you gave that information to us. Uh, now I can go probably become a better runner myself so i'm gonna go yeah yeah i hope so and yes. honestly reach out and anyone watching the podcast just reach out um i also coach people so reach out if you just have any questions because i love 
talking this stuff. It's just so much fun. So there are a couple of people who uh, you are, who were coached by you that commented on all of your stuff, obviously, and whatnot. Talk about what it's like to be a coach and what it's like to kind of like be that mentor per se for other people in the community. Yeah. So I think I always like, even when I was in high school, you know, people would come up to me and be like, Hey, Alex, like I'm trying to start running. And I just realized that I like helping people run like almost more than like my own running because it just, I don't know, it makes it all feel so special um, when you're involved in like helping someone else do well. I don't don't know. When I coached those girls at Peebles, like that was like my favorite sports moment and like, ever watching them like have success so um yeah i love it and i think i'll probably do it forever because it's just i i don't know i mean the other thing too is like you get to hear the day-to-day grind and like you you get to know the people that you coach in a way that like you wouldn't get to know other people because like they're like every single person in the world is going through like especially ultra runners, but any type of runner or any type of person is going through struggles and um, victories. And you get to hear about that because like they get a new job, like it changes their schedule and you need to work their training around it. And you get to hear about like, hey, I got a new job. Like, I don't know, it's just cool. So I love it. I'd highly recommend it to anyone thinking about it. Like if you can like go volunteer at your local high school or something like that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my high school cross country coach had a bigger effect on my life than like any other adult other than my parents. So I feel like it's a pretty awesome thing to do. Well, you say that Alex, and I just want to point out that neither Wesley nor I had high school cross country coaches (laughs) because we played other sports. Oh, okay. I mean, you said you played football. I didn't know. I would have thought Wes ran cross country. I didn't know that. Big soccer guy. Big soccer oh, okay. guy. So you're, that's why you got the runner's body. You were basically a runner. Yeah, that's all I was good for out there. Yeah. yeah. But football, football to, to ultra running, that's like kind of unusual. It was, it was a very different transition, especially given that I played middle linebacker. Yeah. Um, I guess like the carryover is that they're both badass. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a good football player either. Uh, anybody who knows me from that time period knows that I was just kind of out there. And we I'm basically from a cornfield, right? Uh, so there were 39 kids on the team. We weren't really going to go that far anyways. But I was by far not also the best player on what was truly a bad football team. So, wow, really rave review for yourself. It, I mean, frankly, yeah, right? Like, let's just be honest about what it was. Um, but getting back to, um, ultra running, right. And not, uh, things about my history. Um, Alex, would you recommend getting a coach for just anybody? A lot of people, especially people who are more mid or back of the Packers, they feel like, especially spending money on a coach, right. Is it's frivolous or they don't need a coach yet or that a coach wouldn't care about getting them down from a 14 to a 13 minute per mile pace. So yeah. what would you say to those people? So first of all, um, the last comment you made, I don't know about, I mean, there's probably some coaches out there that wouldn't care, but I am just as excited about someone who goes from 14 minutes to 13 minutes as someone who goes from like, you know, six minutes to five thirty. you know, like it, every coach, is going to be excited to see improvement, I would think. But um, yeah, that's such a good question. Because to me, like, I didn't get a coach till this year. um, And uh, I was definitely hesitant. Even when David said that he would coach me, um, David, like, can only take, like, 1% of the people that reach out to him, because he's just so awesome. And so I was like, okay, like, I gotta like really make sure that this is what I want. Um, And, uh, you know, I was hesitant about it because I was like thinking, is it like, is it worth paying money to be better at something that's just for fun? You know what I mean? Like, it seems weird. 
but it since I did it, it like has reaffirmed to me that it was the right decision because it's so much more than just improving. Um, yes, I improved, but David made running so much more fun for me because rather than like, and this was kind of one of the reasons I wanted to do it. When I was writing my own training, um, especially if I was doing like hard workout days, but even like easy days, I would question the whole run. Like, should I go more? Should I do less? Should I go harder? And it kind of like took away from the fun of it. Right now I wake up, I look at my schedule. It's like, all right, I got this workout. Let's go. And I don't question it for a second. Cause I know like 100% the workout David gave me is the best workout I can be doing. And that is so much fun. So um, I think, you know, anyone, no matter how fast or slow you are, could benefit from having a coach because it's impossible to coach yourself because there's always that like dialogue argument between like, you're just being a wimp or you're overtraining and like, you never know because you don't, you like think your mind is lying to yourself because your mind does lie to yourself. Right. Um, but also it just makes it so much more fun and it gives you a purpose each and every day. And like, you know why you're doing it. And it's funny because like, you know, even people that are coaches have coaches. And there's a reason for that, you know, because it's just, you can't coach yourself and be as good as you could possibly be. I mean, David coaches Megan, Megan coaches David as, as far as I know. So, yeah. So that was kind of interesting there. You talked about like what the transition was like to kind of being able to like, be able to wake up and be like, okay, this is the exact work I'm doing on this day and this is how it's going to be. But yeah to someone who's like a fifth place on average ultra runner who's pretty stubborn and may not like just be able to make that switch right away to be able to like uh kind of just dive all into the program what advice would you give to that person okay so i think there are people asking for a friend by the way yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure nobody checked wesley's ultra sign up to see how many fifth place finishes he has <laughs> totally for a friend. I wonder who you were talking about. Um, so, so there are definitely people out there who probably would never like having a coach, but I think that number, like percentage-wise, is actually a lot smaller than you would think. Um, I am pretty busy, like with my job and like other commitments, so I was actually pretty hesitant about it. Um, and, you know, some coaches might be different. The way I coach and the way David coaches is like, we're pretty flexible. And if something comes up and you need to like move a workout to another day, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, as long as you're not doing like long run next to like super hard workout. But like, um, as it turned out, I almost never don't follow the workout that he gave me because I don't know, it's just like, I'm stubborn, but like, it's so fun to like check that box. Like I did the workout he gave me today. And um, I found myself like, you know, I had those exact worries and it just didn't come to fruition at all. Like having a coach has just been like the best and I never like feel like, oh, I'm constrained. Another thing that David does, and I, you know, I don't know, but like, I would hope most coaches do this is like, let's say you're like going on vacation to like somewhere that's like a running destination. Like me and um, my girlfriend drove out to Colorado and like I had all these workouts planned, but like you only get one week in Colorado to like go run awesome trails. Right. So like he completely changed it and was like, no, like you're like, he made like every day pretty flexible. And it was kind of just like, like go run trails and like, about this much mileage and um yeah because like i mean there's value to that right like especially coming from ohio um so yeah i mean i wouldn't really worry about it i mean technically you're the like you're the customer so like the coach obviously you know they can say they don't want to coach you if you do this this and that but like for the most part i mean they're going to want to make a plan that works for you. Um, 
because my main goal for my athletes and like I think David's is like not really like you know I'm not like oh I hope my athlete wins this race I'm like I hope my athlete becomes happier and like enjoys their journey in running so they're not gonna like try to be your like college coach where they're like trying to control your life you know that kind of thing that's awesome. I think you're going to have a couple inquiries uh, by the time this is over for uh, some coaching opportunities there. That's awesome. I want to completely switch gears though and talk okay. about the uh, uh, the run that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, there was a 110 mile run that raised money for your program, the uh, Lebanon Correctional Institution Center, and the funds pr- help people get helped people get running shoes and equipment and have races and prisons, kind of what you volunteer with and help yeah. out with. Uh, talk about what that was like to have kind of have those runners run literally from Columbus to Cincinnati, a hundred ton miles and kind of everything that happened there. Yeah. I mean, that's like the cool. So first of all, that group of people, like they are just like the coolest group of people ever. Like with all the races being canceled and COVID, they've just done like the craziest stuff. And it's just so fun to follow them. Like I'm all, almost jealous, <laughs> but like, I'm like, like every other week it seems like they're doing something awesome but this was definitely you know the coolest and um the fact that they chose to raise money for my program was like pretty like incredible um I didn't even really know what to say but um just such a cool gesture because that's this is a program that you know I've been wanting to do for like seven eight years and it's finally like getting running and um i didn't know if people were gonna accept it and want to support it and want to volunteer for it but the amount of support we've got has just been like overwhelming and um i know that like once things really get going because covid's really you know put a halt to the program because there was a big COVID outbreak and the Lebanon prison, but um, once it gets up and running safely, um, I just feel like it's going to be so great because we just have everybody wanting to help in any way they can, including running all the way from Columbus to Cincinnati, which like is the most badass thing ever. <laughs> yeah, truly. And I'm so stoked that Wesley brought that up because I had actually forgotten um, that you were involved with that. And that's just such a cool program. Thank um, you. And along with the coaching inquiries, hopefully we get a few people who uh, listen to this and reach out to you to try to get involved as well in that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'd appreciate that even more mm-hmm. because I'm pretty pretty busy with the coaching, but <laughs> I'd help any way I can. But um, I would love anybody who wants to help out. Um, we have some really mm-hmm. awesome volunteers so far. Um, most of them are from the ultra running community because the ultra running community is awesome always (laughs) but uh yeah so I'm really excited because I mean I think the guys in the prison are going to benefit so much from having all these people that have these like great running experiences and great life experiences um we just have such a variety of um backgrounds and um it'll it'll be really special. I'm excited. Yeah, that's, that's really great to hear. And now switching gears again, um, we mentioned in our intro of you, right? You're a big 10 guy. You're from Ohio. You went to the university of Illinois. Uh, I'm a big 10 guy, right? An Ohio state grad. Wesley's Wesley's a Mac guy. We don't need to really talk much about that. (laughs) I was a born Buckeye. (laughs) That counts. Yeah. And so um, almost all of our listeners are like Midwest folks, right? Um, which Big Ten city, right, um, where a Big Ten college is at, do you think would be the worst for training for ultras? And we're going to say that Chicago counts, even though Northwestern's, Northwestern is in the suburbs. Okay, so um, this kind of hurts me to say this, but I really do think University of Illinois would be the worst. Um, it is so flat out there and it's like so boring <laughs> to run and champagne. Um, I, 
I don't think like we had like the coolest team ever, but I think I would have like lost my mind if I was training out there alone. Um, they do, however, have like within 30 minutes, a few different like trails. So there's something and they got a new rail trail going in now that wasn't there when um, until like my senior year. So it's getting better, but yeah, Champagne's rough. Lincoln, Nebraska was, I don't know, but I mean, Casey Lichting lives in Omaha and she's like super good. So apparently it's all right. (laughs) Alex, I was out in uh, Champaign, Illinois for a couple of days. Got to do some running and around the campus and whatnot. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was trying to drop some pace down a little, maybe a little below below seven and trying to get some course records like you would do to people back in the day. I just imagine (laughs) having kids out there at the University of Illinois, just (laughs) on the way to class, Alex is just sprinting around people but uh, I, felt, awesome. I, felt good. I felt good when I was out there about a month and a half ago but uh, well I will say there's nothing like the champagne like sunrise sunset in the cornfields like that's something else let me know next time you're out there too because I got some suggestions for uh places to eat <clears throat> I'll definitely let you know I'll definitely let you know yeah all right um and with that, we want to remind everybody who's tuned in tonight, um, definitely like and subscribe to the channel here. Uh, if you're listening later, we still appreciate you too. Um, but uh, you can also find this podcast on all your podcast platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all of those things. But we're going to move on now to some quicker questions as we kind of wrap things up with Alex here. We're getting towards uh, the 9 o'clock hour. And we didn't actually end up making this reference earlier in the show, but Alex Gold's Instagram handle is at Gold Gets Buckets. So one of the first quick questions that we wanted to ask him was, Alex, if you played in the NBA, what position would it be? Um, I guess point guard. I mean, I love having the ball in my hands. Um, not really a fan of passing. I just want to like take the ball off the court and shoot. But uh <laughs> But yeah, no, that Instagram handle came because I didn't have an Instagram when I got to college. So one of my teammates made it for me. And I don't think you could come up with a better handle than Gold Gets Bucket. So it'll stay. <laughs> Truly. And we're, we're so stoked that you keep that because every time we have you on the podcast now, we're going to make jokes about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. And so one last one. Um, but you got kind of like a Kobe Bryant attitude there. You love to see it, right? Um, not a fan of passing. You just want to make make the game happen on your own, right? You're getting those buckets, right? But can you dunk? Not even close. <laughs> I Last time I checked, I couldn't even, like, touch the backboard, like the bottom of the backboard. So, yeah, very, very far from dunking. Well, everybody who is imagining the Ohio Ultra Runners pickup basketball game in their head, make sure to take that into account whenever we're uh, we're picking teams because Alex Gold <laughs> will not pass, cannot dunk. I mean, I'll pass just reluctantly. He'll he'll definitely set a course record running down the court too. So you may you may want him on your team. <laughs> the from a fast the break. hustle is gonna be there. <laughs> All right. And so moving on to uh, our more typical uh, wrap-up questions that everybody probably knows by now. The first one, this is my favorite, uh, um, is if Ultra Running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Man, that is such a good question. Um, I think my song would be Smoke Break by Carrie Underwood. I think I need a little more of like a calming song because the thing is, at the beginning of an ultra, it's different than when you're coming up to bat. Like you want to be like, all right, I got like a hundred miles to go here, but like I'm in a good soothing mood and smoke break was like, it's like my imaginary smoke break. Well, really running is my smoke break. So gets me in the zone. You sing a few bars for us. Can we get, get it going? So I I'm way too embarrassed to do that because I cannot hit those notes that Carrie does. Oh no, let's do, let's do it. Ready? She she said I don't drink. No oh, no, You're so high I can't do that. <laughs> no, I thought I thought we were gonna get it going. I thought you were gonna do the next line and I'd go back and forth. You're gonna have a special moment. That was, that was that was a good attempt, Wesley. We're all proud of you for putting yourself out there. You like that. you got like 
higher than I could, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a bad singer. Carrie's a special woman. Carrie so is we, special. She we, is really special. We, um, we can't do that. Yeah. Special woman. Yeah, maybe we will have to do a karaoke video. I think that's in the works. So we oh, may have yeah. to get you to sing a bar eventually uh, mm-hmm. at some point. So Okay, fine. <laughs> awesome. My go-to karaoke is normally a Taylor Swift song. So, you know. We, okay. we, we were talking about T-Swift last week on the episode. This is back-to-back T-Swift. Yeah, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't have an episode without T-Swift, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and so... Definitely a, a gear shift there from uh, Taylor Swift. Um, unless maybe the thing you can't leave an aid station uh, without us listening to a Taylor Swift song. But um, what's the one thing that you can't leave an aid station without during a race? Um, so I'm, I like to be pretty quick on aid stations. And normally I just want to fill my bottles up. But if it's like nighttime in 100, I find myself always wanting either a grilled cheese or a quesadilla. Like nothing better. I mean, it's just so awesome to be able to be eating a quesadilla after midnight and having no judgment for it, you know? It's just it's just something special about ultra running. Alex, what do you know about what I'm like after these shows? Because <laughs> no judgment late night quesadillas. Oh, I'm sorry. There should never be judgment for a quesadilla anytime, is what I really meant. But it's just kind of weird, like eating one in the woods. Maybe I'll say that. It, it's a very odd thing to have in your hand while you're running. I will yeah, also yeah, say that as someone absolutely. who has yeah. taken them from aid stations. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even a big quesadilla of a guy, uh, but I like love them in altars. And I actually had them today for lunch. So uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad uh, they treated me well. So Yeah, I mean, to... I'm a quesadilla guy at all times, but especially in ultras. <laughs> All right. And so what is the uh, weirdest mid-race hallucination that you've had or the strangest thing that you've seen somebody else do or eat at an ultra? So I've like actually never had like an, a hallucination really in an ultra. Um, I do think it's weird when like people get really excited about like, oh, there's pickle juice. Like, this is awesome. It's just funny. Like, I don't know. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything like crazy from that front guy's not even trying out here he's not even hallucinating he's yeah. got no stories he's just running right by everyone not hallucinating he sees clear straight lines he knows exactly where is the it, trail is, is until it, he gets lost for two miles every single race i, I always say, get lost how are you getting lost if you're not hallucinating <laughs> i don't know yeah see there's no excuse i'm <laughs> like totally with it and i'm still getting lost your your brain is 100 functional and you're still getting lost <laughs> Yeah, maybe 100% is probably a stretch. <laughs> I would say it's probably 100% to say that my brain is that functional at any time. Truly. Yeah. So, but yeah. And then uh, unless there's any last minute questions from the chat, uh, this is going to be the one that we wrap up with here. But if you could run with any person in the history of the world, any place in the world, assuming that they would keep the same pace as you and have like a nice conversational uh, run with you, who would it be and where would you run with them? So I think I got to go with my grandma. Like how cool would it be to run with my grandma in the mountains and have her like be able to keep up for a couple hours, you know, after going from like not being able to run for like, I don't know how many years I'd go with my grandma. That is another in a series of incredibly wholesome answers to that question. <laughs> um, we are gotten so few like, political leaders, like so few famous people. Everybody just like wants to run with like people they care about. <laughs> and I, we <laughs> laugh, right? right? That's what running's all about. <laughs> it's truly one of the most wonderful things about this community that yeah. people think, oh, who's the one person I want to run with the most? And they say somebody that's already a part of their lives. Yeah. Something all- special about when you put it into running though. Mm-hmm. Out of our 31 get shows so far, I thought Alex was going to be the one to say us. I really did. I thought he was going to be. I thought that <laughs> well, was it. I, I, thought, I run with you guys sometime. <laughs> I thought You're going to have to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a layup, but clearly he doesn't pass or make layups. So that's, that's fine. That's, that's Actually, amazing. that's true. I'm terrible at layups. Like even when I played seriously, I would like miss layups. 
that's awesome that is awesome uh we're gonna get out of here before we do that we want to make sure everyone follows you all your coaching stuff or whatnot so for our listeners who want to follow you on social media and whatnot where can they find you um follow me on strava um follow me on facebook or like they said gold underscore gets underscore buckets with z's um like i said i didn't make it so i'm sorry but um (laughs) But yeah, I'd love to, and seriously reach out if you have any questions about training. I'm not an expert, but I happen to have some good knowledge because of the great coaches I've had in my career in high school, college, and now with David. That's awesome. Yeah. As always, we'll put those in the description of this video uh, below. Alex, we are super excited to see you all accomplish all of your future goals. Uh, Western States top 10. You're going to get Ohio's ultra runner of the year again in the coming years. I'm not going to say this year, maybe who knows, but it's definitely going to happen. We haven't voted on that yet. Well, yes, <laughs> it has the year's not over, but it could still happen in the future and everything else that you're going to accomplish. It's been super awesome. Uh, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's always such a blast talking with you guys we appreciate that from myself wesley harton cam wrench john delavaki the third we'll catch you guys next time on the flippity flip side see you later everyone ridge runner nation Thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Return Nation. Yeah.